Hello, Internet, and welcome to the Friendship Snake Podcast. I am your host, Wade Mariano, and I'm joined, as always, by... Trace Finicaro And... Little Brass Garden Rake. That is one Connor Kennedy. I don't know what that means. But... Little Grass Garden Snake. It rhymed. Oh, very nice. I picked up on that. I like that. That's good. It was a late night, a long night last night. Anyway, we uh, actually oh, wanted nuts. to respond to Josh out in Redding, uh, California's comments. Um, a little synopsis of what he had said. Uh, it was regarding anime, just to uh, recap a little bit from the end of last uh, last episode. And he felt that a lot of people don't get into anime. Um, one of the reasons, which wasn't his first, was... The subtitles and a lot of American um, audiences that turns a good portion of them off. And also that uh, he said that anime is people that stop watching cartoons. Those are the people that aren't really interested in anime. Um, that's, kind of, that's kind of like a general kind of a synopsis of what he had said. Um, he went into depth a little more about you know how there are different types of anime uh, Garden of Words is one of the ones he referenced, which I wasn't familiar with. And again, I kind of checked out a little bit um, very quickly. And I kind of got, I guess, a sense of what kind of anime that is. But uh, first and foremost, I'm going to let Trace, who is not an anime uh, consume, excuse me, consumer, give his kind of opinions on that and uh, on those kind of two topics and give a little insight what it's like for someone that is kind of an outsider that's not really an anime, and then Gunnar and I, obviously, that are huge anime fans, we will kind of give our opinions as well. So, Grace, so his first you. point, um, <clears throat> the, the one about subtitles, I actually agree with. I work with a guy from the Czech Republic, so he's from Europe, and about half of the videos that they grow up with are subtitled. And it's because not everybody in the Czech Republic speaks every language in Europe. Um, quite the opposite. Europe cranks out a lot of nice movies, but they aren't always translated to um, to his, his native language. So it's culturally normal for him to watch subtitled movies. But in the United States, I don't see it as much. Um, and I noticed, it especially with Netflix, there's some great series um, as well as movies that you really don't see Netflix pushing to the general uh, consumer because they're subtitled um and I've, I've actually started watching some of them because the <laughs> when you run out of tv content you start looking for stuff and um what i've noticed is netflix usually will only push the ones that have been dubbed and from what i understand most true anime fans really don't like the dubbing they prefer the subtitles instead of the english dubbing is that correct I would say 99%. However, um, <clears throat> so I, I play uh, online a lot with Greg, right? We play PUBG and all this other stuff, squad up. But his cousins, um, Ryan and Zach, mm -hmm. they love anime. They hate subtitles. They hate subtitles, right. And, and I can understand why somebody wouldn't like them because you have to be staring at the screen. So if you're the type of person that's you know um, multitasking, you actually are missing content. I've actually started to enjoy that with some of these TV shows. Um, one of the TV shows, I believe it's based out of, uh, I think it's based out of Brazil, and it's called The 
Um, and it's a dystopian thing. It's kind of like the, the dark dramas that I like. But uh, when I started watching, I noticed that the, I was like, oh, the audio is not synced up properly. And then I had to actually, in Netflix, I had to go over and turn off the English audio and switch it back to, like, it, Netflix just assumed that I wanted um, that I wanted the dubbed audio. I turned that off, and when I did, the subtitles came across. And I really liked that because I could hear their real voices. And there's a lot of inflection that the voice actors aren't doing the same as the, as the, the regular actors in, in the show. So when, um, when somebody says that subtitles are a turnoff for something to gain popularity in the United States, I do agree. I think that's a completely valid point based on, at least based on the culture that we have now. And I, went to, I go to work and I ask people, I'm like, hey, when was the last time you've seen a subtitled movie? Most of them have never sat all the way through a subtitled movie. They just can't handle it. So I think Gun- that's a good point. Gunnar, what is, um, <clears throat> I would say probably the obvious is like, why why subtitles in my opinion it's just because that's like where the the voice actor it that's that's the original voice actors and that's kind of like they were hired to do that originally and that's why it gained so much popularity so there's 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 a couple things which is that one um voice acting tends to be a very insular industry so there's very there's very few international celebrities in that realm and um America, America kind of has the same problem with uh, VAs that they did with um, diesel cars back in the '80s, which is that like for the longest time, people didn't like it wasn't considered like a legitimate career. So like you got a lot of trash fire work done, and like I don't know if you there's a there's a YouTube series called Anime Abandon, and it's one of the it's one of the most common tropes that they come back to is just how bad anime dubs were for the longest time and it's only like in the late 90s that you finally get like a crew that's actually like legit good for the sake of being good because like there were cartoon people but like on the, and again it's like this weird it's this weird schism where you had western animation and then you had anime and those worlds almost never overlap so you'd have voice actors who are doing stuff for cartoons in the in the west but you'd never have them doing like dubs for a series or something like that and it was um actually if you want if you want to get into specifics it was when they started bringing um the playstation games over with fmvs that really start i mean like you know like you you, you have the what did you just say the full motion video so like playstations when they did cutscenes. mm-hmm like that really was. Oh, you're that saying, was, so the, you're saying the video game. And I'm sorry to talk over you. You're saying the video game required very, very accurate voiceovers. Yes, and that's actually what drove demand for it for yeah. those types of actors. Yeah, here and in the what, what, what what happened is that you know, like again, maybe this. I, I'm sure that I might be challenged on this, but effectively, that that kernel, that group of people, you know, it's it's kind of like you had to have these like two or three places that really started getting people who were like up like down with their shit mm-hmm. and after that that kind of like just did this whole blossoming thing where like people could you know like there was actual money people were getting paid no it makes sense because talent. you pop in cool borders too right and if the if the voiceovers weren't accurate in the very very opening scenes it actually made the product look cheap yeah. So yeah, that makes a lot of sense. The video game companies really needed it because they had a game that they were hoping to appeal to a wide audience, but the audio may have been recorded in another language. That makes perfect sense that the video game industry would have driven those actors. 
and again, and like it's it spiraled out, and I mean, like now, and I'm bad because I can't remember half the names on the freaking Dragon Ball Z, the, the you know the Funimation, because you know like that, and um, there was a lot of uh, at least in the in in our country, there was a lot of like just freaking fly by night backward, you know, like the 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 anime industry itself is rife with like carny levels of weird business arrangements and stuff like that but there were there were like three major um anime houses in the 90s and it was like uh manga um adv or something like that no i was u.s because like oh u.s houses the 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 dubbing the dubbing places you know like because now now you have funimation and um Anaplex. Anaplex. Yeah, you know, and like they're, but they they have their own, they basically, they have their own in house teams. And, um, you know, that, 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 that quality has bumped up a lot. The tech has changed though, right? Well, because the other, the other thing was is that it, it, it's, you know, and actually it's funny because like I, I think some of the best dub work is kind of in parody because you look at something like Dragon Ball Z, a bridge mm-hmm. or Helsing. Where you have guys completely recontextualizing something, but yeah, they'll go back and they're actually doing edits on the keyframes to get people's mouths to to sync right. up correctly. Can, can it be assumed that Dragon Ball Z is is like the most widely known U.S. Dragon Ball dubbed Z? Dragon Ball Z anime? has five separate dubs because it's had different like because it was because it originally it was Ocean, then um. Oh crud! My brain. When you say five separate dubs, you mean the entire series has been dubbed five different well, times? Well, no, because because actually they, they they they. I don't I don't know like how early you used to get up because actually they used to run early on Sunday mornings on um, the New York home station on uh, the cable around here, like New York City one. Because mm-hmm. that was that was my that was my exposure to urban culture. Um, you don't think you answered my question? As far no, as no, popu- so, so, like, but, he's looking like popularity. Dragon oh, Ball Z is probably dra- the most dra- Dragon Ball. Dragon this country, Ball Z, yes, yeah. Like in this country, Dragon, and honestly, probably globally, Dragon Ball Z is probably the most well recognized anime. I mean, pretty yeah, much he's, everyone he's, knows. He's, he's he yeah. The the DBZ cast there is the equivalent of Mickey Mouse and Bugs Bunny. Now, yeah. po- Pokemon is technically. Uh, dubbed as well is that considered anime yes yeah actually that's four kids right i think that was i think it, that was originally, Pokemon yeah. is, is four children no, so no, uh, no i mean like it's actually four kids is the name of the company oh, that really? brought that that's over the, I, didn't, I, I didn't know that because they did i think they did hamtaro and all that other stuff too that's an interesting one though because that kind of has its own u.s culture that creates content right so and and by content i mean like like we aren't um, like from my from my understanding of it, like you have you have something like um, like a game creator like Niantic. Um, what was their big game? The weird. It was essentially thing? Pokemon Go before Pokemon Go. Right? Yeah, it's still like, it's still out and it's still God, pretty big. I, I'm not exactly sure what it's called, but I, the reason that I'm not exactly sure what it's called because it wasn't very popular. And you know what I mean? Like, yeah, I don't hear about too many people playing it, but I still see it in my news feed. Um, but anyways, if you like something like that, in, in that case, it is a, from my understanding, Niantic is a US, U.S.-based company. Um, is that correct, Gunnar? What was Niantic? Yeah. Niantic, yeah. Niantic, okay, sorry. I was reading, I was reading an, an amazing Earthworm Jim story. <laughs> Niantic, yes, come on. Kennedy, you were just there. 
leader in augmented reality. Yeah, so American software film in San Francisco. So they're, yeah, so they're yeah, a San well, Francisco-based based software company. Yeah, they're the ones doing the development for Pokemon Go, well, right? So it's an interesting thing where they're actually creating like a 3D version of, of, of Charizard in order to put him in the game, a 3D version of Pikachu. The, the 3D versions of those models didn't really exist, right? Because Pokemon was predominantly there, a cartoon, wasn't 2D there a models. Game the, that, the cards have the flat drawings of them. So they actually had to do content creation, which also means that they're going to, the the Go versions of their characters are going to start showing up in, um, it's gonna, it, it feeds back into the content for the actual um I guess you could say the cartoon, the game, the whatever it is. Jap- so the Japanese companies are pretty insular. They don't, they don't, they don't, they don't like their American offices very much. But whether they like them or not, the game, um, the game is largely largely successful in Japan, right? And what I'm saying is that th- that that Pokemon's an interesting one because you have content creators now in the U.S. that are making brand new content. Right, I mean, the whole concept, it, it's not completely brand new, right? The idea of fighting a Pokemon isn't brand new. And most of the concepts originate from the, um, from the older Pokemon games, right? Like the different style balls, the different characters and stuff like that. But you actually have a game studio building and designing these does, 3D characters here in the States. Does Switch have a camera? No, I don't think so. I'm actually very surprised because that effectively would have, like... It, because that actually would have been like one of the killer apps for that platform is basically build the, the, the full monster implementation of Pokemon Go. But, you know, it... uh, the the one they have for the Switch right now is called Pokemon Let's Go. Yeah. And they're really smart because they're releasing a different version of the game for different main characters. So, like, yep. there's a Pokemon Let's Go Pikachu game. It's like fifty, sixty dollar game, and then there's another Pokemon Let's Go Eevee game. Oh, really? So, so they're really learning how to monetize. So they like, on it. Are those like special editions, or is that more like those are separate games? So I haven't gotten into it, but from my understanding, there is a small amount of crossplay between the Nintendo Switch games and the actual Pokemon Go game. Oh, okay. I don't know exactly how if it's like certain attacks that you get and. Which, another thing that's interesting about, uh, and I know we're kind of getting into the Pokemon um, topic, uh, and we can jump off of it, but uh, what's interesting about the Pokemon Go game itself is that it started off really, really basic, like you're walking around Google Maps and just hitting up places. As it's, I mean, what are we, two years in now? Close Pokemon to Go? It? Maybe even longer, but yeah. I think we're close to two years in. Maybe in July it'll be its second year. Huh. They 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 just offered the ability to trade. So like if 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 I if you have a Pokemon and I have a Pokemon, we can actually trade them. Right. And being able to do friendly battles, you to actually train your characters. Right. You're called a fucking trainer. You're called a Pokemon trainer. Yet there was really no way to train these characters. You had to just like like get items in the game with either cash or by playing it a lot and then you had to power them up and then that would give them more power so that they were better fighters there was no actual way to train them which was you call why would you call the character a trainer when there actually is no training feature well then it's like you're essentially part of pokemon is catching them but the other part is kind of using them for battle once you've trained them to Mm -hmm. like battle other pokemon trainers so it's i mean 
half at least half of what the concept of the anime was anyway was like missing from the game but so it's it's interesting with that because it's taking a long time for Pokemon Go to actually develop into the game that the fan base would have expected but I think that's because Niantic was pro, was predominantly known for that map overlay feature Ingress I believe was the name of the yes, game Yes Ingress yes and what's interesting about Ingress is it uses the exact same locations for the power-ups as Pokemon Go does. Mm. Actually, if you want to get a location into Pokemon Go, you have to play the Ingress game, and you have to propose one of those locations. It's usually churches, post offices, um, and, uh, uh, you know, like murals and, and Social stuff like hubs, that. Social hubs, essentially. Like- yeah, historical stuff. Like, yep. sometimes it's just as simple as a sign on the side of the road. Um, but, yeah, so... It's interesting to see how it's taking years for it to actually um, build to what like a like a fan would expect. But I guess my only point with that was that I see a I see Pokemon just as much as a United States the modern day version of it just as much of a United States um, culture as it is a, 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 a Japanese culture. Now Pokemon is kind of an interesting um, point to make because it. I don't want to say it totally ties into um, the second point that he had made, which was that people that like stop watching cartoons are the people that don't watch anime. And I say Pokemon because Pokemon is predominantly for a younger audience. Yeah. Um, However, it's still a very nostalgic, I would say, for people that kind of experienced it in its maiden run and in its first few years or whatever. But there are aspects of it that are kind of appealing to, you know, people as well you know what i mean because it, the basic concept of acquiring animals or you know weapons essentially to use sharpening your skills with those weapons and then implementing them essentially in a rock paper scissors kind mm-hmm. of simulation that's appealing to everyone like it's that's what a game is right like that's what that's like the basis of a game of of a type of game right um and, and Pokemon is even a stranger phenomenon because I don't think it was intended when... So so there's the Pokemon Company, right, which is really the, the company behind all of this stuff. They contracted Niantic to write the game. And, uh, of course, Nintendo stock shot up two years ago when Pokemon Go was released because people thought Nintendo created Pokemon, but they actually only have a 10% stake in the company, which doesn't mean that their stocks won't be influenced, but... It's different than it being completely Nintendo. Um, so, where was I going with this? Because like, wasn't it technically a spinoff or something like that? Like, like I don't know. Uh, oh, you mean Go? Well, no, I mean like Pokemon itself. Like, basically, it was a pro- it was a pro- it was a property that they had started developing, but effectively they they like spun off a separate company to do all the merchandising and stuff I, like I, that. I don't know. I don't know the history on it. Um, oh, okay. I remember my point. So, the, the interesting phenomenon with Pokemon Go is they made a strange requirement when they created that game, and it's strange from my perspective as a game as a game uh, consumer, and also as somebody who would want to create and sell a game to somebody as an entrepreneur. I don't think it was intended, but one of the things when they based it around Ingress, they required certain features inside a phone. Number one, they they required that your phone had some form of data plan, right? Two, they required that your phone had a GPS chip in it. So now rewind to the first time that I wanted to install Pokemon Go, it was actually for my children 
because they wouldn't stop talking about it. They'd see the YouTube videos and um, they're like, well, I want to be able to play that game. I want to be able to catch Pokemon. So the first thing that I did is I put it on our iPad at home. It doesn't work. It's just got a bar across the top right. saying GPS signal can't be found. You, you, so, you were correct, actually. It was it was Game Freak, but Game Freak was a, a separate developer that just had a long history of involvement with Nintendo and okay. finally went all in when they launched Pokemon on the Game Boy. Okay, all right. Um, and that's a lot of the hardcore Pokemon fans really talk about the Game Boy version of it. That's really... Most of the people I bump into, they think that Go is like a poser version of it, and they like the they like the like the Game Boy versions of it. Me, on the other hand, I I liked the idea of walking around my town. So Go is kind of interesting to me. But this is the actual problem with it: is that you can't go play unless you have a phone with a data plan and a GPS chip. So I mean, although they make iPads with those, it's usually the phone. So Pokemon Go really only was playable by kids that were old enough to, number one, have a cell phone, which was probably paid for by their parents, um, and number two, be able to walk around by themselves. So it actually caused a strange problem. And if you, if you, ever, like, if you ever go to any of these places, and you can go on the Discord channel, um, and you can find them chatting about where they're going to meet. If you're, if you're near a, a big city and you go to where these meetups are, they're predominantly older children or adults. It's actually tons of adults are showing up to this thing. So that's what's interesting to me. So I, I think it goes, it starts to, to, to lead into his other point. Um, I think adults do watch cartoons. I think adults do are interested in these types of video games. Maybe Pokemon is the exception because people don't necessarily watch the anime cartoon. In order to play the game, they might collect the cards. Um, they might have played the old Game Boy versions. They might have bought a game for the uh, f- for the the Nintendo Switch or for the uh, the Wii or the GameCube. In my in in, in my ex- um, case, my largest exposure to Pokemon was actually p- playing Super Smash Brothers. And what was terrific was if a Pokeball fell out of the sky in Super Smash Brothers. Now, my favorite guy is Mario. But if a Pokeball fell out of the sky and I got it in my hands, I could whip that. And then out comes Charizard and he starts fucking breathing flames all over the opponents. And I might win the game because of that Pokeball. So I started to love the Pokemon because of the competitive advantage that it would offer inside a fighting game. And that's when I started to learn their names. So... uh, I think Pokemon might be the exception to the anime rule. You know, anime is almost like a, like a small sliver of what it is. Yeah, I, I feel like when I think of Pokemon, it's like if you have to ask the question, kind of, well, isn't Pokemon anime? Then, like, maybe it's kind of transcended into a different realm. Like, I I kind of feel like Pokemon. I would I would say is anime technically. But I would say it's more Saturday morning. It's more American Saturday yeah. morning cartoon right. at this point because mm-hmm. it's been so ingrained and ingratiated into American culture. Like when I think anime, I kind of feel like it's a little bit more fringe stuff. Dragon Ball Z, definitely right. But yeah, well, and part of, part of this too is that um, you know, and like we have it happen in America now as well. But you know, like Miyazaki, you know, me. There's like a, a quote that gets kind of misinterpreted slash used in flame war arguments but Miyazaki talking about how anime was a mistake or something like that 
And really, if you get into the context of it, it's that, like, all of the, the kind of artsy-fartsy stuff, or, like, you know, like, the way you, like, the, the transformative works, are generally made by people who weren't anime fans. You know, like, they just use it as a medium to kind of, like, express a story. And where you get the weeaboo rep is that, um, or, like, where, like, all the weirdness comes from, or you say, like, the, the, the stuff that makes it difficult for people to get in is like media that's made by people who are fans of the of the medium like you know it's effectively they're not making it for you remember that escaflone er, movie yeah that that movie we brought when we were over when ken was living with jess and you're like okay that looked visually impressive what the fuck did i just watch (laughs) yeah (laughs) it is weird (laughs) because because like it's 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 effectively they make these things where it's like you're expected to know the entire story before you watch it and it's just like oh my gosh i've just seen this thing this is amazing and and like like, i maybe maybe my problem with accepting anime is that i i think of dragon ball z every time right yes that's all i can think of is this really strange choppy animation accompanied with Shouting over and over. You you need to watch Dragon Ball Z abridged. While I'm high. No, I'm just saying like no because it is just it is, it is they get they they. It will tell you the same story more or less. Oh, what's abridged? Like somebody on YouTube so put team, it all together. There's just, there's just t- team four star. Team four star is uh these American these American YouTubers. I'm pretty sure. Well, yes. that's what their videos mostly are on. Mm-hmm. So they they redub. All of the episodes. Oh, wow. But they kind of make fun of themselves a lot of the time. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. there's a lot of comedy in it. But the same, the gist of what's happening mm-hmm. is still happening. It's not okay. like they're changing it completely. Like they're fighting over like adult toys or you something. You guys better yeah. duck. Right. Because like, I'm going to turn left and I don't want to hit you with my dick. But it's it's they're kind of poking fun and making fun of a lot of the tropes that, well, I mean, you know, like Dragon Ball Z kind of did create like this over-the-top nonsense like and they don't wrong i love dragon ball z but when i go and revisit it it's not something that stands up all that much Mm -hmm. it was amazing seeing it the first time was really cool but there is some shit that dragon ball z does that just absolutely drives me mad like a battle scene building up to a battle scene could take like three episodes (laughs) and it's literally just like should we yeah ergo the 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 power of sequence yamcha and tm took it and maybe maybe that's Maybe Dragon Ball Z itself has hurt anime in the States because it either locked you in or made you think that you weren't going to like it. Um, what the, the statement that I don't necessarily agree with, though... I mean, actually, technically, the most successful anime series ever ever shown on American television was Batman the Animated Series, but that, that gets into, like, ninja sneaky stuff. Yeah, and we'll let Trace finish his point there, because that's kind of another interesting kind of topic to, to go yeah, on. Yeah, there's, there's a lot of hidden U.S. anime, right, Gunner? Yeah. Like G.I. Joe, right? It's by definition anime, you know, uh, gem. You know, it's by definition anime because it is Japanese a Japanese animation studio that did the illustrations, but it's not considered. It's not really thrown into that genre when people yeah. talk about it, right? right? It's not on Crunchyroll. It's right. on Netflix, right? Um, but the the point that Josh made about it's people that stopped watching cartoons. I actually don't know anybody that stopped watching cartoons. I don't consider that to even be true at all. So like like you know, I went and saw. Um, uh, the Teen Titans Go, 
right? And I, I can't handle that show most of the time because it's just so high octane and whatever. The voice actors have high pitched voices and it's a little tough for me to, to, to sit through. But my kids absolutely love Teen Titans Go. And I, I'll sit down and watch Teen Titans Go with them. But there's even some other stuff like there's there's some shows on uh, on on Cartoon Network. Uh, one of them is called um, it's called Apple and Onion, right? And the Onion's voice is played by the guy with curly hair on uh, the IT Crowd. If anybody watches the IT Crowd, um, it's it's a British uh, it was a British uh, sitcom. It lasted I think three seasons. But uh, very, very recognizable voice for the onion. Um, but like Apple and Onion, I, I could sit and watch that all day long. I'm actually sad when we hit the end of the season because I want more content, right? I really like that cartoon. And that cartoon is geared towards kids, but I still really like it. It's almost got an Aqua Teen Hunger Force feeling to it. Like you kind of have this, like d- these, these degenerate friends and together they try to overcome some silly obstacle. But I'll even go like kind of towards the Uncle Grandpa scenario right uncle grandpa is a whack job show they have characters in it like one of them is called pizza steve pizza steve is a talking slice of pizza and his voice is played by um i'm trying to think of his name but from workaholics uh one of the main characters of workaholics i can't think of his name uh uh, adam uh devant or demap or demant i think demant um he plays his voice. So anybody who, who's who's familiar with Workaholics would recognize Pizza Steve's voice. I don't know who does the, who do the rest of the characters, but one of the characters in in Uncle Grandpa is called the Realistic Flying Tiger, and it's an actual picture of a tiger. And when it when it fly it flies through the air and it farts rainbows. Right. This is a wacky wacky cartoon, but it's actually a really really good one. Like. He has a, a fanny pack that, that actually has like a, a, a voice and its own personality, and Uncle Grandpa wears that. And uh, the, the concept is is that everybody has an Uncle Grandpa that can kind of come out of nowhere and help them through a really, really tough trouble in their lives. But, you know, of course, the, their path of getting there is completely spaced out, right? Um, so, and that's just the stuff on Cartoon Network. You know, we've we've talked on on our on our podcast about Big Mouth, right? Yeah, I think Big absolutely. Mouth Big is Mouth. only intended fan. to appeal to our age, and it's massively popular. Like with anybody that I've shown it to, they 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 adore it. Like yeah. I haven't found somebody yet that's been like, oh, it wasn't really for me. And it makes sense because if you look at the cast, a lot of them came from the league. And yeah. by the way, I'm not a sports fanatic. So I would never have wanted to watch a show about a fantasy football league, but it's actually not about the football league. It's about the interaction between the friends and, and really the, the extent that they'll go to uh, in order to, um, to beat each other in this league. Like in one case, the, what was, the guy bet the name of his child on the person that wins the league. And he was so confident in winning, he thought that he would, him and his wife were both in the league. He thought one of the two of them would win and be able to choose their child's name. They did not win. And their child was named Chalupa Batman in the show, right? Batman Chalupa. 
wasn't it? I don't know. Batman I think Chalupa, I think there its nickname was CB. So yeah. I'm pretty oh, sure. Oh, was it? Yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think its right, nickname right, was CB, right. and they would all call the baby CB when they were walking in. Oh, hey, how's CB doing? Oh, I think you got to change CB's diaper. The, the whole league. So to get that that cast, and there's there's quite a few of them that went to Big Mouth to get that cast and move them over to Big Mouth. I I think is. It, it's it's almost a guaranteed success, right? It's why Seth Rogen has so many successful movies because he gets the same uh, funny actors and he moves them from movie to movie. Although Seth Rogen is now the new Adam Sandler. And it's kind of interesting that you mention um, Uncle Grandpa, Apple and Onion, and Big Mouth because all three of those things they have in common, they're all comedies. Right. There's no, like drama or seriousness i think that maybe in my opinion is kind of one of the the deal breaker for a lot of people and josh makes that point right yeah i i think he makes the point um of it's tough for people to seriously engage with a show that's animated like they either want it to be comedic or just action-packed which is kind of like what i prefer like i'm not really into no action um you know that's that's something that I enjoy personally, but but Pixar's done it. Pixar, it's their own way, right? Because it's yeah. it's CGI. But Pixar's done it. I mean, it's not all laughs. Some of these movies, like I just watched Wall-E again. There's almost no comedy in that movie. Wall-E is a love story between two robots, which is a strange premise to begin with. Wall-E's a love story between two robots, and it there really isn't a whole lot of funny moments in it. They're just awkward funny moments, right? It's. It really wasn't designed to be a comedy. It's designed to be a drama. The the robot on the ship is is trying its hardest to uh, to prevent you know uh, uh, the humans to, from recolonizing Earth. And the 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 two robots, one of them that was supposed to be cleaning up the junk on Earth, and the other one that's supposed to be finding life on Earth, have to conspire against this evil this evil uh, artificial intelligence in order to, you know, in order to convince them that there's life on earth. It's really a love story, right? It's really, it's really um, in some ways dystopian, right? Because you got the whole like junk earth. I mean, even the satellite the, or the, uh, the space junk that they crash into leaving and coming back from the planet, right? It's, it's really more of a dark drama. And I mean, if you watch Toy Story, Toy Story 3, I fucking weeped at the end of that. It was one of the saddest fucking movie endings and um uh what was the one about um the emotions there that was that's ranked like i think number one on on kids movies that fuck up adults when they watch it um you know the one i'm talking about yeah i'm trying to because it had lewis black had lewis black in it as uh anger or something like i know that. it's one you're talking about but um, it's not like shades uh, colors of nah but you're now i'm seeing a trend with all these ones you're identifying these are all g-rated and CGI and and well, they're CGI, but like it's it's an, it's animated. It's right? animated. It's, it's yeah. definitely. I'd say it's in it's in the field, but they're all intended Inside for Out. all audiences. There's yeah. nothing intended for specifically for adults. The movie you're talking about is Inside Out. Inside Out. Okay. Inside Out. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's. I think it's ranked number one on like kids movies that like adults are screwed up at the end of because it makes them question their own emotions. But um, yeah, you you have a good point. Um, and I think that's what that's the point Josh was trying to make is that it's the serious stuff that doesn't really resonate well, and maybe that's or, or in your case, non G rated serious stuff, 
that doesn't resonate well. Like and stuff I'm trying that, to think that of one example. Probably not be okay with kids. Like it's it's almost like if it's going to be adult geared, then it had better be funny for a lot of people. It's almost it's it's this it's a kind of a strange thing, um, and I don't I can't really explain it that well. It's I would say anything from. Um, well, I guess that gets back into comedy. Yeah, you're right. If it's not G-rated, it turns into a comedy. I was thinking it's more puppets, but I was thinking of uh, uh, the World Police one. Oh, um, ah, shit. Oh, God. Yeah. Uh, you got the, the Craters of South Park there. It's the South Park guys. Yeah. Uh, Trey Parker and Matt Stone or Matt Parker and Trey Stone. I don't know. <laughs> Get their names fucked up. Um, Team Hunger World Police. What was shit? Why am I blanking on this? Because it's a great flick. Gunner, do you remember what it's called? Oh, what, which movie were we talking about? With like the puppets on the strings. Team America. Team America. Team America. That's it. Yeah, it's Team America. Um, but yeah, again, it was comedy. Uh, all the South Park stuff, right? South Park had a movie that was very successful. South Park, at, South Park as an as a as an animated uh, syndicated show has been extremely successful. Now it's, it's still they're still making episodes, but it's like The Simpsons. They have their dedicated fan base, but the the masses aren't watching them anymore. Um, but you're right. I can't think of a non I can't think of of a of a non G rated successful cartoon. I can't think of one of them. That's like that isn't comedy. That driven. isn't comedy driven, right? And that and that that might be a cultural thing. Um, well, it also it's also that like fundamentally, there's very few networks that will actually run that stuff. I mean, you had freaking um, HBO for a while there with Spawn, Spawn and stuff yeah. like that. But HBO um, had had this Spawn animated series, which was dark, gritty, and, and pretty highly revered, but clearly wasn't popular enough to keep. Right. More than well, I mean, what, you know, seasons? maybe going back to the previous reference, I mean, you had Bat, you know, and I got like, even that's cartoons, you know, like, to, but like Batman the animated series or something like that. I mean, like we we've kind of fallen off that track and DC eight the D, you know, that and you know, we're talking about this stuff. Um, how we watch shit has fundamentally transformed. I mean, like you know, that used to be a network television kind of thing. And now, um, I mean, like they're doing it either direct to DVD or you're doing it on their online streaming service. I mean, Disney's talking about that with uh, Disney Plus. That's actually like a really good point, Gunner, because the I guess that's one that I had not really thought of, and I'll extrapolate a little more. So the way we saw, like, why is it that we only like it's either adult raunchy comedies mm-hmm. or a family friendly animated series and it's kind of like well jesus growing up that's all you that's all you yeah. had yeah when disney when disney studios owns the best animation studios and they refuse to do something that's not g-rated because they want to have a wider audience um yeah it actually kind of makes sense and i say g-rated it could be pg sure. right i think they have some pg titles um but no pg-13 right, right. you're not going to see you're not going to see like cartoon tits Right, you're yeah. not going to see cartoon penises in a Disney movie. At least, if if you do, it's because the animators were pissed off at their bosses and they hid them in there, which right. they do. They, yeah, absolutely. Which is super creepy. Like in the middle, have you have you guys found those? Have you like gone hunting for any of those Easter eggs? I've seen some of the stuff on yeah. YouTube and like they're I, real. I, I well, I found the penis on the Little Mermaid cover. Did you? Yeah. So um, I I I don't know um 
because this kind of came up the other day too because it's disney disney has a very has had a very abusive relationship with its animators for the uh, that's kind of a that's kind of a hear all end all of animation in general Mm -hmm. which is that it's like it's kind of like video like i don't know if you're familiar with like the whole destructive cycle video major video game companies are in where they just you know like they burn through people like their cordwood no um, well, you know, like again, 80 hour work weeks regularly, you know, like you're considered immediately disposable, you know, like there's no job stability, stuff like that. But yeah, animation, like animation, it's always been a super abusive. And, um, I mean, it seems like it would be because it seems like you need a, a decent skill level in order to pull it off. But the, the labor seems intensive. Well, and it's actually like if you look at that, like there's a there's a big move to get CG, you know. And as a person who at one point had fantasies of doing like an indie cartoon, mm-hmm. just tracking that stuff down, it's actually like you you watch it now, like the techno. So, um, I mean, there's a couple proprietary solutions, but the biggest one, like even the Japanese studios are using now, is called a, a an animation suite called Toon Boom, mm-hmm. and its big thing is that. Um, they integrate directly into Maya, so that like you're 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 Maya big thing. being a three D yes. three D animation yes. Uh, application. Quick question: Is this the new Berserk series on Crunchyroll? Is that using this technology? Well, actually, no. So the 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 Crunch so so there's there's the CG Berserk. Netflix is supposedly actually. So I don't know if you saw this whole thing. Netflix is in the process of getting a license to Berserk to do their own series oh. of it not, not but, sidebar but, keep going but, with that's okay uh, well one example of of an animation studio that has always used 3d is actually south park yes so south park's pilot episode i believe was shot stop motion with cardboard well, yeah but once they decided they were going to start making more content they were one of the first to use a 3 after season one when they got re-signed on i believe they got a they actually got a budget to make well, it well, <laughs> it's, make no, it well actually that, that's that's uh, so Trey and that that crew that was considered like ridiculously revolutionary at that point, right? Because it's one of the reasons why they can do such quick turnarounds on their shows is that yeah. it's just so easy to, to mm-hmm. put stuff together. And that's actually where Toon Boom comes in because um, I mean, like I don't know if you've seen like um, My Little Pony, mm-hmm. the 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 Friendship is Magic. Okay, but the biggest thing with that, I mean, like the, besides them, is that they'll do flash puppets. So effectively, mm-hmm. they're 3D, but they can they yeah. can re- they can manipulate it. Well, like I've a, noticed a huge insurgence of that on YouTube. Yep, crazy, 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 like like 4K 3D animated content, and I don't even know how they pull it off so fast. And what I'm talking about is like like it could be a cat walking around singing a song. The cat has realistic 3D fur. It turns, it has gestures, it hops up onto a chair. The amount of animation, I, I assume that these studios are just buying it for a cheap price. They buy the cat, they make him a little bit fatter, or they, they, they make his fur a little bit bigger so he looks like a unique character. But the animations of him jumping, have they must be bought because for somebody to go through and do the actual, like... To, it, it takes studying a real cat jumping, right? The way that he lifts his, that he that he flexes his back muscles and his front muscles and, and in the posture and the tail position. They must be purchasing some of these animations. They must be cheap by now because I'm talking like, like, like tens of thousands of these videos and they all have top-notch 3D I mean, objects like- and the animation 
looks perfect. Their mouth moves exactly. I think they must be using software for moving the mouth with the music as well. Well, no, and this like goes back. This, this goes back through. to tune, like Tune Boom will do It'll frame do sync that. like that. Yes, I mean, like I, I, I don't like you know. It's you're not doing like um, full rendering work, like freaking um, Pixar or something like that. But like they. It is actually within, I mean, if you get the money for the software, although I get pissed because everybody's going to this software as a service thing and that's a separate discussion. Mm-hmm. But Toon Boom effectively will let you do a production studio. So it's like two year buddy, like two, three year buddies mm-hmm. in a garage. And if you can cough up for a box with a couple of uh, NVIDIA yeah. or like Vega cards, you know, like you could, you can you can do effectively the same workflow of a stu- of, of a full animation studio and, and, and that must be like what's a year, happening a, like 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 five years ago the part that i don't know though is like is the, the the whole production side of it like they start off you know of course they have to have these 3d characters mm-hmm. and they try to make the 3d characters reoccurring so well, you subscribe it, to their channel and you yeah. like the look of this cute cat or whatever but but they, they also have to do the singing and the music production, yes. and that's the part that's interesting to me because are, are these U.S. animation houses, are they just hiring, you know, is, is it some, like, like some person that's doing, uh, you know, the, um, you can buy, the like, lounge lizard well, stuff no, at the no, local so, bar so this is, this that is just terrifying. happens to put their name on Fiverr and they're getting picked up by, a, you know, by a, a Russian animation studio that and they're, all they're doing is just singing? Well, but you know the other thing that gets weird is that effectively you have libraries that you can buy that are phonym shapes. So it's like it, here's a canned animation that basically equivocal. That's equivoc- what, and equivoc- that's what I'm saying with like the cat jumping. It's got to be it, well, because you, you can you, you can, can go get back like and tweak the lines, but yeah, you, and, you can get some guy that looks like a gumdrop dancing around. That's easy because nobody nobody will challenge what that would look like. But when you get a cat strutting, licking its fur, and its tail is wagging. The amount of animation that would go into that, nobody would do that frame by frame anymore. Oh, it would take because it would take for one person to do that. It would just take a, an insane amount of time. And the um, other thing I wonder is like, if you turned the video off, how shitty it would all be. You know, turn the video off so it was just sound. Just yeah, if, well, if yeah, you if you didn't so. have the high quality 4K 3D characters jumping around the screen, if you'd be like, man, this singer's terrible. You know, or if you'd be like, no, this is actually produced really well. Um, one thing that, that I really start thinking about, and I know we're getting like into the production side of things, is like if, if you watched the um, uh, uh, bad lip reading videos. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and they got some that are like just for fun, and they do like football calls and stuff like that, and the coaches say things that are funny. Um, first of all, they probably have somebody who is deaf or hard of hearing helping them because to crank out content that fast. I don't know if I could do it, like to find word shapes that match. Yeah, I mean, I guess all you'd have to do is just turn the volume off. What does it look like he's saying, right? Like, yeah, I guess that's true. Um, but man, like if there's people, some, a lot of people who are deaf or hard of hearing can read lips. Yeah. And they need to know all of the possible different sentences, and then they put those together in their head, right? Yeah. So they might be a, a better consultant. They might know right off the bat that when you say cup, it might also look like crotch or something like that. Um, but, uh, what the one thing that was extremely interesting to me about the bad lip, lip reading videos is the music videos that they've done. Well, that, because I don't think, 
Those songs are catchy regardless, but they're right. super catchy because of the videos. Like you think of the video, like you pull that as a as a mental reference. However, like the but the music I production can think of three quality. off the top of my head, and they're catchy as hell. Like Carl Papa, mm-hmm. Bushes of Love, mm-hmm. and Seagulls. Yeah, like yeah. And and I mean, the first one that it's I ever saw was love. the Michael Bublé, um, the Michael Bublé voiceover where they. It's called a Russian Unicorn or something like that. I don't remember that one. And uh, it, what was what was the music isn't that memorable, but the production quality on the music was very good. But then when you go to stuff like you said with Seagulls, um, there's actually another one. Uh, the uh, uh, not the future, I think. Yeah, not the future, and that's the one where Chewbacca starts off screaming in the beginning. And then um, uh, uh, C-3PO like turns and turns back and then turns away again. But not the future. The the music production on that is actually like on par with some of the like some of the like most popular EDM musicians right now. I listened to that track and I was so upset that a channel that got their start dubbing over the audio to make fun of people is producing better music than you know like the three of us were when we were doing our music project but then i thought about it and and i remembered the black eyed peas when the black eyed peas came out with um uh let's get it started somehow i was reading some forums and i found out that they didn't make the music and that entire album was actually the music was actually done by a separate studio and that studio called themselves Beats and Produce, which I thought was a was a really creative name, because you know, like the vegetable beats and produce. But um, Beats and Produce made every single track, and because they did, their portfolio had the originals, so you could hear the dunk like the bass guitar strums, and you realize that Beats and Produce was just a recording studio with some really talented musicians in there, and they just cranked out high-quality melodies. So part of me thinks that that's actually where, uh, you know, like like bad lip-reading gets their content from. They just go into the open market. They say, hey, this is a great melody. We got to do something with this. And then they come up with the seagulls, and they're all sitting around in a room laughing their ass off when they make the the log and stick joke and stuff like that. And I think I, I think I think that because it makes me feel better. If they're actually that talented at music production, then I just get depressed and crawl into a hole. Well, I, I think that they're clearly very talented. They clearly have a good amount of experience in it. Who knows how long they, I don't know the story behind badly, bad. Their, their star Wars stuff got so popular that they did, um, I believe it was like The Empire Strikes Back. They did a full spoof on it. Oh, wow. And they have Maya Rudolph and Jack Black doing the voiceovers. Oh, really? So they've picked up some... Yeah, they've picked up some some momentum there. And they're probably making money off of it somehow. Oh, they're absolutely making money off it. (laughs) Whether it's advertising or or whatever. And they're they're in the millions of views. I want to say like 40 to 60 million views for something like the Seagulls uh, video. What's crazy about that, though, is that's just about on par with the average popular YouTuber. Yeah, I it's I, I, as far as like the production value and things like that. It's they're clearly musicians, and they clearly have focused a good portion of their lives 
seriously in that. You know what I mean? I maybe they started off having day jobs, but I think they probably got that hit. And in the frank and frankly, I don't think they just decided to start music, doing music. I think maybe they they got lucky. Yeah, they, yeah, got, they got a lucky. really big view, and they got pretty popular with the lips, lip sync reading stuff. Because I don't remember it really being a thing until... Until Car- Star Wars, really. Was Star Wars the first? Because I thought like the no, Carl Papa, that, I thought, was kind of the, one of the first ones. What was it? Carl Papa, the Walking Dead one. Oh, the Walking Dead. Um, so <laughs> the first one I saw was the Russian Unicorn. I don't know how they came out chronologically. But um, what my point was is that the Star Wars ones brought them to the masses. Yeah, absolutely. You know what I mean? Right. They got enough fan base so that people would, would watch their channel. But... Ev- so much of the world wants to see Yoda hitting somebody with a stick. You know, it's just a funny thing. And to make light of that, because when you when you watch, um, w- w- which Star Wars was it when, when Luke Skywalker had to be trained by Yoda? Uh, Empire Strikes Back. Okay. So when you watch The Empire Strikes Back, you actually feel like a little bit uncomfortable because when he lands on that planet... He doesn't know that Yoda is the Jedi that's supposed to be training him. Creep, he thinks Yoda creepy, is just some creepy little creepy rape frog. Yeah, yeah, really. <laughs> and and Yoda doesn't doesn't he you know, Yoda's like the old wise man, but he intentionally doesn't reveal himself as that. So when you see Yoda smacking him with a stick in the movie, it's it's a serious smack. But when when bad lip reading just keeps playing that over and over to the beat of the song and it it just it brings it it makes the scenes so funny well, it recontextualizes it and it, it does. kind of flips it flips it flips something that you're nostalgic for and it makes you love it more yeah absolutely and it's like oh man this is a new spin on something old that i've you know what i mean that i have probably an attachment to and the fact that those movies have been re-released as as uh hd movies means that bad lip reading can actually produce a 1080p you know, spoof instead of, you know, what a lot of people would be stuck with today with a movie that was released 30 or 40 years ago, which would be some grainy, uh, you know, four by three, non, not, it, it would be well, the, the box, you'd have the black boxes on the right and so, left hand side. So this gets, this gets into, you know, and again, maybe this is sidetracking, but, you know, we're talking about animation and like just the, the tools that have enabled people, it, you know, Movies have always been pretend, but with as much digital post editing that's going on and even like live action film at this point, is there anything that doesn't actually count as a cartoon getting like cranked out the door at, anyways? Yeah, that's funny. Like the, like, 3, like the 300 abs and shit. Like. Yeah, you know, like you're fucking digital, you're punching, you're, you know, because like we've got, you know, it's well, funny you talk about in- how they're doing HD, but yeah, it's like everything that we kind of ignore about how flawed people are constructed mm-hmm. is just right there so they have to go over and touch that shit anyways and you're effectively rotoscoping over live and action well the final fast and the furious actually um paul walker was dead yes and actually if you want to go before that we're talking like 93 with the crow because yes and lee was killed on set well, yeah and parts of those they had to like animate his mm-hmm. Well, and going the, wrong, it's completely different because it was dark and it was panned out. But some of those like cutscenes, some of those scenes on the rooftop chase, were animated, like right. animated shots. Of well, him, even that, like Rogue One, you got freaking. Uh, oh yeah, Another you know, example. Princess, Princess, you got like Carrie Fisher and. Uh, that was freakish, though, man. Did well, you no, see but Rogue but One? that's I haven't seen Rogue One yet. But you know, again, the techno like 
so this this is one of those fallouts, and I'm I'm wondering if it went into the rabbit hole or if it's going to eventually make its way back into public public use again. So, um, Lucas Films had a separate studio called Lucas Arts, which was their original digital media video game company. Yeah, mm-hmm. and they were working on a game where you basically you played a, a bounty hunter, like you were you were Boba you were you were not Boba Fett, but you were a guy working for the bounty hunter guild, and it was. Like an Assassin's Creed, um, GTA style open world game, or like Red Dead Redemption, but part of one one of the big texts that they developed for it was that they had a real time motion animation system, and it was crazy because like and like you see like Andy Circus there or whatever when he's got all the balls taped to his face and his body, and they're doing the digital motion capture and stuff like this. Yeah, and. LucasArts had a rig where you were just standing in a theater. They had a, like you had a hat on with a camera on it, but they were doing live 4K animation of a computer model, and it was like one to one in real time with your face. So you could effectively recreate someone from the entirely from the ground up, and just have them worn like a puppet yeah. in a digital production. And I mean, like again, it, it wasn't theoretical. I mean, like this was this was an actual like they were doing it in game engine, so they had somebody interacting with an NPC, and that was how they were doing their prototyping for it real quick. But yeah, because you, you'd actually capture the full like the f the full motion video cutscene kind of stuff, you could have an actor literally just interacting with that scene, and it was animating the character exactly one to one to what they were doing standing in like open space because it's it's next it's the next step from the lucas arts green screen here wave a stick with a ball on the end of it to pretend you have a lightsaber and we'll know? edit it in afterwards it's kind of like real time happening at the moment yes yeah and that's pretty impressive so it's no more we'll record this and then go through the edits we'll have like the computer guys and the anime guys animation guys go in and completely re-edit this green screen to make it look perfect. It's like, nope, shit's already perfect, and it's coming out real time. Like, there's no more going, having Cut, to go back uh, yeah, and re-edit. Uh, get, get, Maybe get, a little get, touch up, but not much. Get the, get the crate dragon back where he needs, yeah, get the crate dragon back where he needs to be, and let's do this scene again. It's essentially a quantum leap in animation and, and CGI retouch, like, essentially. Retouching. I remember uh, LucasArts, or LucasFilm, uh, was it LucasFilm was the, the game? LucasArts is the game, the game the company. Game. Yep. I remember they released in the 80s, the early 80s, Ball Blazer. They oh, made dude. that game. That was LucasArts? That was LucasArts. No shit. And that was Atari a Atari 7800 PS. Atari 2600, too. They released really? it for all Ataris. You could, um, I just shouted in the microphone, sorry. Um, they released it for 2600, 5400, and 7800. The 5400 being the least popular. That was the one that was about the size of this table and the controllers <laughs> could fit in the back of it. It's fucking gigantic. It was the one where the controllers had a full number pad on them. That was like, yeah, like the, they were similar to the ColecoVision uh, console. And yeah. the joystick itself. Um, um, I always told myself that the joystick slid around, but I think I looked it back up and it didn't. It was like a regular joystick, but it had two buttons on each side on of the controller. Sides, yeah, yeah. But um, they they had it for all for all three Ataris. But even the twenty six hundred, they were able to get the three D um, navigation of the game. And the Ball Blazer is really just like a version of football, right? Or maybe soccer. I would or, say Ball Blazer for the younger audiences um, is essentially identical to Rocket League. Okay, Rocket well, League, sure. Yeah, because you got the ball and you're pushing it around with a car. And you're trying to get into a goal. The difference with Ball Blazer is the ball would stick to you. 
and you'd have to zap it off of somebody in order to steal it. But yeah, you're right. But in the goals moved. Right. The yeah. goals moved, and they were wider during some parts of the game, and then closer to each other. They successfully pulled that off as a 3D game. I totally forgot they, about on the twenty there. on the Atari twenty six hundred. Now, when I say twenty six hundred, people don't know what twenty six hundred specifically means. A lot of people don't. Twenty six hundred is Space Invaders. Yeah, like think like sad Donkey Kong, like not great, beautiful arcade Donkey Kong, like sad, shitty Donkey Kong, like, even worse, sad, or, shitty Pac Man. Le, le, yeah, think less of Pac Man, less than of, Game Boy level think graphics. Think of Asteroids. Yeah. Think of Missile Command. Like all of those games there that a had couple. a palette of about five colors. Lucas Arts was successfully pulling off a 3D game. All of on the, that. all all of the most innovative work that came out of it was not done by Atari. Like there were a couple, there were a couple of like third party studios that like um, you talk about that, and actually that's one of um, Lucas Arts actually is kind of in the same. Like I can't, I I, I feel bad because I can't remember the dude's name, but that like because so you know who John Carmack is, right? Um, Doom, Doom, ID, yes. ID, ID software. Yes. <laughs> no, no. So, 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 um, Carmack's original claim to fame was that he figured out how to do um, a screen shift on CGA graphics, like you do on an like because the, the that was actually the, the NES. The biggest innovation that it had was that it had a hard, it had the hardware, like. You don't think of it at the time, but Mario was a very complicated game because no one had the concept of a moving screen buffer. Right, and but the um, Doom was Doom is is largely looked back on as they call it like two and a half D, right? Yes, mm-hmm. yes. but you know, like they Wolf, used Wolf kind of tricks command, to yes. make it feel three D, and I'm sure Ball Blazer was the same way because the twenty six hundred didn't even have a game close to that. The closest actually there was one that was close, and Wade is it didn't gonna, have a frame buffer. No, because it scared the shit out of us no, as children. Oh, no, no, dude, I mean, like, tunnel runner. The twenty six hundred didn't have a frame buffer. That's where it gets like you know, like you, right. you get in the you get in the nitty gritty stuff. I mean, like it, it's it's crazy because like there was there is one other game, and I, I think it was like Moon Command or something like that. Because there, 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 there were there were there were like three first person games, pseudo first person, like pseudo like weird depth space moving around. And it was uh, there was one where it was you were uh, it would be two player, but you were like spaceships coming out of hyperspace, like trying to get peg peg. You know, like you had the you you either played the enemy ship. Or the good ship, and you were pack, you were trying to fight each other as you ju- jumped out of hyperspace and stuff like that, and you could kind of go around. And there was another one where you had to rescue people off of these moon bases, and it was like a full like you know like you're you're scrolling over, you're flying over the ground, and you're trying to shuffle through this thing. And it, again, it's like it's just interesting how it works, and maybe this goes back into animation, but like how 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 you how you structure yeah. field of view and stuff like that, mm-hmm. you emulate that effect, but it's also just like, you didn't have a fucking, fr- you, you can't write yeah. frames ahead. It's rendering yeah. this in real time. Well, and, and this is like, like I know Wade and I spent a lot of time playing video games together as children. Yeah. Um, Wade was, uh, Wade was Wade was at my house probably once a week, and a lot of his time was spent actually with my older brother and our neighbor. And between the four of us, we did a lot of video gaming on the Ataris and the Nintendos. Um, and one of the games for the twenty six hundred, but we played it actually on the the, the Atari seventy eight hundred, which had more, closer to Nintendo graphics, was Xevious. Uh, 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 or yeah, 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 Xevious, yeah, yeah. We would say Xevious, <laughs> but the 
it was just you're a spaceship and you shot stuff. Um, you could lay bombs, or you could shoot regular bullets. And but the thing is, is if you remember with that game, Wade, it barely kept up with itself. Yeah. If there was a mothership on the screen and you were blowing stuff up, it actually couldn't process the animation of the bullets, the mothership, and then the explosions happening thereof. It couldn't handle all of those computations at the same time. So to think that that LucasArts was able to pull off this 3D game is such a cool concept. Ball Blazer, and, and maybe I'm just remembering it through like rose-colored like glasses, but I I do remember Ball Blazer, and maybe I, I urge anyone listening to just YouTube Ball Blazer and realize that this shit came back came out back in the eighties, yeah, on a system that is ancient, that is older than probably a portion of our listeners. It's a game that never gets talked about, no. like. But it it was so innovative, dude. Mm-hmm. Like I don't, there was nothing out and, like that. And they had a they like like if you shot the ball. So there was the concept of a horizon in this game, remember? And the horizon was was the furthest place that you could see. The horizon see. leans forward. The the battlefield Coming was so large that at one end of the battlefield you could not see the goals at the other end. Remember this? Yes. And yes. if you shot the ball blindly over the horizon and made it in between the goals, it would say over the horizon. And you would be awarded more points for that goal. It was almost like a three-pointer. Well, another thing that we're not even talking about now, like there weren't like real-time physics in any Atari games, like but there were in Ball Blazer. Like, yeah. and there was, remember like, the cars physics going on when the car passed you, like like Lucas Arts made the animation of it tilted like a third, and then tilted a third, and then tilted a third. So when these cars passed you, it actually looked like a 3D car. Now, it was only a two-dimensional sprite. It was really just a picture of the car, and they were smart. They made the cars perfectly round, so they were easy to spin the animation of them. But yeah, I mean, you could. it it was almost like you were staring inside the cockpit of the other player's car. And and back in the 80s on on a platform that, that seemed like it could barely do missile command that it could barely do space invaders it is com- it is completely mind-blowing to think what they were pulling off back then but it's not shocking though that lucas arts developed is kind of like the lead developing team and i don't know if did they do that in rogue one and the reason we talk about rogue one trace you haven't seen it yet i would definitely go see it but essentially where rogue one ends is the beginning of star wars a new hope okay so star wars that came out in 79 yeah it's like it's almost chilling. I'll say, the end scene. There's Princess Leia. Uh huh. It's a CGI. Mm-hmm. It's obviously CGI because Carrie Fisher at the time was like seventy something or in her six late. Had 60s, she died already 70s. when no. it was filmed? Uh, was she? Was she? she I don't I think, think she, she was passed. Dead yet. I don't I think, think she, she was passed dead yet. No, last. because this is before the the new Star Wars. This is no, be, no, this no, is in between no, the because no, it, 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 it was it was in production. Regardless. Uh huh. It was the young version, right? It was the 20-year-old Carrie wow. Fisher. And what creeped me out the most is I couldn't tell she was animated, dude. Like, yeah. I really, there were, I could mm-hmm. not point out, oh, there it is. That's what looks, that was, that's what looks weird. And it weirded me out because I knew for a fact that's not who that person was. But damned if, if I could tell you. Would we be sick? That, if, if that, that is the lady who was playing as Carrie Fisher who oh, had okay. her face 
Okay, so that's why it's because they just did the face. The of it. She must have been built very similar. Um, well, would no, we be sickos if we downloaded goes, the 3D version of Carrie Fisher? Well, in no, her but 20s? this this, go, this goes. <laughs> well, actually, yeah. So, the, the, but yeah, there. The, but the, uh, visual visual Gunner, jokes on Gunner's, the radio. Gunner's got Wikipedia up, and he's showing us the the actor that played her in Rogue One, and well, it, it actually shows her wearing the the proper haircut from A New Hope. Um, so really, it was just the facial structure that they had to redo. Well, but, but 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 again, it's even getting back. You you have you have all of this tech that basically Disney got out of Lucas Arts, or you know Lucas. Because mm-hmm. um, I think they, I, I'm not entirely sure. I think they may actually own ILM at this point too. I'm but not if sure you if can was... Snapchat face swap with somebody sitting yeah, right next it, to you, if if a free cell phone app can do that with the technology that's built into a phone, yeah, then it, it it makes sense that we're finally there. I think there's some scary implications to it. Though. Well, no, they've it's invited, only a this, matter of this, time this before is, a bad actor gets his hands on this stuff. This is and Gunner already. gets arrested for riding his riding his bike on the uh, in the road again <laughs> yes well no i mean like we're, 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 that's actually i i don't i don't know like i have my i have my sound libraries of uh you know uh tom baker and uh william you know john hart and uh a couple guys you know because eventually i'm going to do the full video voice recreation for my uh ais you know because I mean, uh, James Spader is awesome and all that, but I, I don't want to be two-stepping on people's toes. What? I have no idea what reference you're I have no idea what you're do you, um, Ultron. In the Avengers movie, James oh, Spader yeah. is the, James Spader is the guy voice, who did the voice James for Spader it. James Spader voices Ultron. But what, I guess where I'm going is that... I'm, oh, uh, the second Avengers movie, Age of Ultron. Oh, okay. So, like, yeah, I'm very as, far as, behind as, on the Avengers. Oh, shit. You're not there yet? Okay. As, no, I haven't oh. even seen uh, Thanos or whatever his name is. I well, no, no, no. That's need, Infinity War. That's the third you, one. You need, you need to see... That's what I said. I'm really far behind. You're really far oh, behind. Oh, yeah, but this Ultron's the second one. Yeah, I think I might have seen the first. First, the first is when The first is when Thor comes down with his hammer and had Natalie Portman in it for a hot second. Was that the first Avengers? Not Natalie Portman. Oh, no, that's Thor. That's, that's just Thor itself. Thor. Okay, yeah. but do, you, do the other ones make it in in Thor? Um, no, because the one I saw had the Hulk Hawkeyes in it. And, Hawkeyes in Thor, but that's pretty much the only one. The one I saw, had, I might be, I might be mel- uh, melding the movies together, but the one I saw had the Hulk in it, and he starts smashing well, through Avengers. walls. Okay, that. yeah, I think I saw the first. I'm very far behind in the Avengers, but anyways, keep going, Gunnar. I'm sorry. Well, you know, and again, but yes, because the, the the eventual goal is that um, for certain home home ridiculous robotics projects. Uh, I have my own. I have my own equivalent of Cortana or Siri or whatever. But I'm building voice libraries for them, and I mean, like we're you know, like the, the, we're at a point where somebody can kind of cob one together. But like you, 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 there's been talk at least the last five years that yeah, we're at the point where, for the most part. People are not going to be able to differentiate between a completely cartoon, gener- you know, a, a digitally created media format and something else. I mean, like, what the? Fu- I don't know if you uh, heard. Uh, Google had a project, uh, so they 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 uh, bought. A, so it's it's a company that was founded by originally by the developers of a game called Black and White. So it was a uh, you know basically one of those god simulators, but like the the their thing was their biggest thing was is they they built this complex game AI to go and like uh, do behavior. So like effectively, the you're doing your thing in the game world, 
and the characters are responding to your actions in the game world by basically what determining whether you're a wrathful god or a beneficent god. And they wanted to kind of push the envelope, so they built a company called Open Mind. And Google bought them a while back, but you hear like you, like there's there's more and more stuff coming out of Alphabet from them. And one of them is that effectively they have a speech engine that will learn any natural it will learn any spoken language and be able to automatically translate it. But it speaks like a person. So you get like those YouTube videos where you got the robot thing like kind of reading and, and like you know there's various levels of quality. They actually can build a model of like how much air the individual can hold in their lungs so you'll hear the breathing and like the fun and like they 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 develop ticks. So never mind that they can copy other people's like it will automatically it will automatically observe a person's response to the speech that it's giving out. I'd love it to can see tell one. if it can creep it, it can tell if it can creep it out and it will tweak its model to not fucking make you twitchy. I'd love to see one watch you for a while and see if they can get to the like the answer questions quicker. Uh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. I, I don't know. I, you know, but, but, but speaking it, of uh, voice, I know this wasn't even one of our topics, but um, so Gunnar, you and I at one point, because Gunnar and I have had some hobbies together over the years, we we tried making um, a device that well, we wanted to make a cat dog. <laughs> We right. It was it was you and I that we started it. The cat door. We wanted to make a cat door that recognized the cat's meow. Right now, back then this was ten years ago. It was a weird concept. Um, now people would be like, "Oh yeah, sure." I mean, Echo, Amazon Echo can recognize my voice. Why can't your cat door? Um, but it was going to be self-contained. That was really the biggest the biggest hurdle mm-hmm. that we had. We were trying to use very very small um, smart computers, like a like uh, like a microcontroller, like a Raspberry Pi, or like a cell phone style technology, which ten years ago was much much more limited. Um, and we wanted to get my, like speech recognition. Yeah, but now you got now you got Mavidius. The problem was is that most speech recognition back then was um, was a closely held secret, and a lot of it was around humans, not around animals. So we never actually were able to get anywhere with the project because the amount of um, it's pretty much like a like a sound wave. But being able to analyze that sound wave required required technology and skills that Gunnar and I didn't have access to. What's the authenticating of it, right? Like that's really where the problem lies because you don't want any fucking cat getting access to your house, right? And at that point in time, the the solution for the same problem. The the idea was is that your cat could get in your house, but no other animal could, right? And then you you didn't need what what was popular then was the RFID um, uh, collars, RFID being you know, radio frequency, like the stuff you'd use to get inside a building, they give you a little card and you tap it on the door and then it lets you in. That's exact same technology. I mean, to a T is what people are putting in the collars of their cats and their dogs so that they can come in and out of their house, which that's scary because you can snip off the collar of the animal and um, you can essentially have a small door to gain access. Now, nobody could fit through a uh, a cat door, but a human could probably squeeze through a dog door. Mm-hmm. So the, the, the implications are kind of scary. Whereas with the voice, you would have to hold the animal, get them to do whatever sound that they would normally do and let them in. So we thought it would be like this really cool invention. We probably would have been on Shark Tank if it existed back then, if we were able to pull this off, we were able to pull this this invention off. It never happened. But what it, what it, what it reminds me of is I read an, an article the other day that said that that freaking robot that keeps showing up on Jimmy Fallon and stuff like that, that it was granted citizenship as well as a credit card. Oh, the one in Saudi Arabia? 
No, I don't think that. I don't know if is is she from Saudi Arabia? Yeah, I'm right not now? reading your cartoon because I'm trying to make a point. Okay, well, I will read it in a second you. though. It's all right. It's all right. No, but yeah, because it was it, again. On the flip side of that, I, I consider you know like and again we talk about the progression of AI. Well, we talk about the progression in AI and stuff like that. So yes, the the, the robot that so 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 her name's Sophia. Sophia, yeah. Yes, and uh, what is it? Freaking Silicon Valley did an awesome freaking piss piss take on that. Yeah, they did. Yeah. Um, but they, like guys wanted to have sex with her and stuff. It was pretty good. Well, and I get it because it, it's actually um. I, I wish I could remember. I think it's like Folsom Robotics or something. Folsom Robotics or something like that. And Hans, uh, Hanson Robotics. That's it. So, um, like her face and stuff like that. Because it's it, it's actually like that. That's that's a spinoff from an MIT research lab project. But because uh, he did the he did the Albert Einstein head and the Philip K. Dick robot and stuff like that. But yeah, so for, Philip K. Oh, okay. Did, did you, talk, did you, did you, did you see the? Okay, yes. So Philip K. Dick did the series Electric Dreams, which is Amazon's clone of Black Mirror. It is it is Black Mirror. I mean, it's yeah. the exact same show. Um, but in Philip K. Dick's Electric Dreams, they had an episode called Auto Autofac. And that's the one I believe you're talking about. Well, they actually and have with, a they have a they have a recreation they have an actual recreation of Philip K. Dick. As a what? robot, well, uh, so you're. Like I say, so, so I'm like, talking about an episode. No, I'm, okay, oh. I'm, talk, I'm talking like they actually. So for the Philip K. Dick Museum, oh, as part of it, like they okay. actually they actually have a full robot recreation of Philip K. Dick. Now I, I know this we're spinning off even more, but um, why is Electric Dreams? Why is Philip K. Dick's title more important than the title Electric Dreams in that series? Who is he? So Philip K. Dick, uh, besides being a methamphetamine freak and everything else, <laughs> well, no. So Phil, Philip K. Dick is um, one of the progenitors of the idea of simulacra in popular fiction. The you know, like the thing that, that reality is really a con, you know, a, a mutually agreed upon construct. Okay, and. You know, just the the because um you know the the I mean was he an author? Yes, so he did predominantly the, an author. Was yes. he a scientist? No, he was, was, he was he? an author. So uh, he did the Man on the High Mountain, um, Android's Dream of Electric Sleep, which is the basis for Blade Runner, which is actually the the book that Blade Runner is based off of. Okay, uh, we remember it for you wholesale, which is actually known by its movie title, uh, Total Recall. Huh. Okay, uh, Paycheck. You know, like again, like there's there's a very there's a there's this big thing of just, I mean, like you know, he he got. I into assume a weird, he's passed if he's got. Yeah, a he's 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 been dead for a bunch of years now. Okay, but. so that's what's interesting because Electric Dreams it says Philip K. Dick's in larger letters, and I I think it might even be a turnoff for certain people because they don't really know what they're getting into, and they have this guy's name that they may have. It, it, well, me being a layman, I have never heard of Philip K. Dick. I probably should have. Now I have. I'll never forget it. Well, but um, if you like go to Amazon, it's like Philip K. Dick's Electric Dreams. Whereas Black Mirror is just called Black Mirror, actually, right? They don't have the author. Knowing, of the... knowing is a Philip K. Dick story too. The one with uh, Nicolas Cage. Okay. Like I mean, again, Hollywood's got a big thing because he he had some very just very, um oh what the heck uh, Scanner Darkly, the one with uh, Winona Ryder and um, Keanu Reeves, that weird animated like rotoscope. Yeah, film. it was like kind of I I don't I didn't see the film, but it was kind of 
visually groundbreaking because it was all the actors were acting, but it was all like essentially cartoon mm-hmm. kind of like on top of uh, transposed on top of the actors. Yeah, but you know, but yes, a Philip Philip K's Dick, Philip K Dick work is very central about the idea of identity and what really constitutes it and sure you know very cyberpunk so you said that they made was it the same um was it the same what was the the girl's names sophia sophia was it the same uh engineers that made sophia made the one for his museum. Yes. So, so the the so, so Sophia has some other software. Like, so ba- basically, um, I don't want to. Maybe this is, this gets weird in the concept of robots in and of itself. But yeah, so she she is a humanoid robot, but effectively she is a peripheral for a, cl- a cloud computing platform in the background that's running a bunch of her software. But yes, Hanson Robotics well, are the guys who built right, and that's what that's what Silicon Valley is really they really point at right the fact that there's cloud potential with this robot i don't i don't necessarily get it and i get cloud and i get a little bit of the whole ai thing i don't really get what the purpose is is of of the robot being in the cloud but i guess you almost need a cloud computing back end to help make these weird everyday life decisions are they essentially are they just from an outsider's perspective that has very little knowledge in this are they when they're talking about this cloud computing? Are they essentially kind of saying like this is the next step in understanding like the brain and how it's functioning? No, well, because no? really, really, when we say cloud, it's not. I'm not using it in the buzzword sense. I'm using it in the fact that if, so um, the biggest thing, the biggest thing that you're going to see, because even like Tesla, the auto driving and stuff like that, really, what you're getting in is that they figured out like they're figuring out yeah. how the or, the order of how they have to stack things yeah. to maintain because even. Truth be told, is that like people don't fucking consciously, you know, like mm. for most of the behaviors that you deal with people in a real sense, you're not dealing with a conscious person. You know, like right. when you're driving down the road, it's the reptile brain that's kind of, you know, that that's handling like not plowing into somebody, mm-hmm. and you get distracted with your phone because you're fucking around. You're fucking around, and you're you're letting the thinky part of your brain override the reactionary mm-hmm. one. So, and, so I want to go back to this, uh, the Sophia. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I, I first I want to finish my point with the electric dreams episode because it's yep. awesome and it'll be quick. But uh, so with that, and I assume that they that they modeled portions of this after it because it's very similar to Sophia's skull, the the the, the model that they use inside this episode. It's the called, chassis, if you will. Yeah, it's called Autofac, and I'm not going to give it any of it away. But the um, the premise of the episode is that a factory. Um, a fact, an, an, autom- an autonomous factory is delivering food to people. And it actually, it's, it's so autonomous that the people no longer need to work. They just get food delivered. But it's, it prioritizes the delivery of the food to the people over the actual people, right? Because it's programmed to always deliver. So when the people have too much food and it's starting to rot and they try to tell the factory not to deliver any more food, um, the factory will, will like kill them, right? So it's this very dystopian future where the factory is prioritizing its production over the health of the people it's delivering to, right? It's kind of like a runaway, uh, a runaway program. Well, it sounds like it's kind of like my purpose in life is to deliver food. You are 
you were in a, you were interrupting my purpose well, in life, this, my reason to live. So the, I must end your life. It's the Grey Goo. In, it's the Grey Goo scenario. And the people end up um, they end up finding a way to convince the factory to create a humanoid person to come and interact with them because the person can't interact with the computer program easily, right? It's just code. So you almost need this interface that a human can can understand. And when they send this humanoid robot, it's got that clear skull with the light up back of it, very similar to Sophia. So if you see Sophia on on um, uh, Jimmy, uh, Fallon. Jimmy Fallon or something like that, Do you, you see, can Deus see Machina? the clear head. Yes. Yeah, very similar. Yeah. Yeah. How do you say it? Deus Machina. What is it? Deus Machina. Deus. Like Deus, but Deus, God in the Machine. Yeah, Deus Machina, God in the Machine. Maybe I haven't. What's Ex the other Machina one? Ex Machina is a Ex movie. That, Ex Ma- that that's sorry, that's I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, Ex, yeah. Ex Machina. But yes, the that that that's the one I saw. But that has the similar style. Yes, pretty. Yes, to Sophia, a, a bit more advanced and prettier version. Your ver- yes. Yeah. It, it, well, because um, I want uh, on topic. So I was watching um. You know Dan. You know who? Wait. You know who Dan Harmon is, right? Guy who does Rick and Morty. So uh, the guy, the, community, the creator of Rick and Morty. Yeah, yes. creator of Rick and Morty. So he has this. He has this. Um, kind of. They're almost like theater pieces because it's like, it's like a podcast, but they're called Harmon Town. And one of them was he was talking about like he was talking he was talking about the dialogue in Fallout Four, which is this RPG, basically post apocalypse anything like that. But its big thing is um the conversation chains and just like how you have like you deal with these individual characters and like you, you get back to this whole idea that effectively like you know voice acting and all this stuff but he was talking about the projection and just like how you how you frame interactions because um you have these characters like it doesn't you have like different mixes so you have male female homosexual heterosexual you know like you takes you can go with, with your your character and the thing is, is that it doesn't automatically preclude you behaving in that way based on the character that you're interacting with. And he's talking about, he's talking about like, um, just how you project, because how you project things, because he, he was going off like, because basically if you talk with someone long enough, you get the, you get the flirt option. And if you do the flirt option enough, you get the romance option in the dialogue tree. But he's like having conversations with, you know, he's playing a dude and he's playing a heterosexual dude. He's having conversations with female characters in the game. And like they get to the flirt dialogue and he immediately, you know, like he's talking about like just like the chain of like how your brain like processes things. It's like, well, that's, she's into me. And it's like, no, it's just a dialogue. It's, it's, a, it's a response that you can choose to engage in. It doesn't mean anything about the internal state of the character. And he gets to the guy and the guy is immediately creeped out and he doesn't realize that it's just, you know, he gets to. to you're you're the, talking about going to a strip club right now, right, Gunner? What do I? Nothing. <laughs> what you're saying about you know the flirting, interpreting the flirting. Yeah. it's just a form of dialogue. It's a lot like going to a strip. Well, club. you know, but but that's the same premise. It's right. it's you know you, it's just because you the, engage the, in the flirting doesn't necessarily mean right. that it's you're not interested. it's not changing yes. internally for the stripper. She's right. There well, no, but for, but it's this you know but, but you know like we get the ro- we get the robot and stuff like that. It's just that we we've we've gotten to a point where we can like mm-hmm. model this stuff so that we can have a we can have a you know. 
it's, it, you know, it gets into that Turing, the Turing test saying, kind of crap. Are you where saying you're in love with a robot? I'm saying I'm in love with myself. But that was really the whole ex machina point, right? Is that, you know, can you fall in love with a robot? Well, the, but the, it's also the premise of her. Well, it's really the, the more, the more, the more pertinent question. And I guess, that, you know, like we say, like you say that you. you uh, Westworld. You can, can you Westworld. fall in love with a robot? But yeah. the really is the idea is that can the robot fall in love with you? Right. And can you know the different? Can you you know like and is there right a difference? There, that maybe is and that's the that point of that. Dick. That's maybe possibly the crux of it. It's not really the question of can you fall in love with the robot? But if the if the robot is not capable of truly falling in love with you, then that's what kind of shatters the illusion, yeah. right? Yeah, that's yeah, where yeah. it ends. That's mm-hmm. where I would say a lot of the intrigue ends and a lot of the you know. And speaking of. Um, uh, Rick and Morty. That's one cartoon. It's not entirely comedy. That's one cartoon that is definitely like rated R, <laughs> or at least like PG thirteen or TVMA. Um, that's not complete comedy, but it is watched by adults. So that is probably one of the. It's definitely got a lot it's of comedy, comedy in it. for it's sure. Got a lot that's of comedy. A, that's in a comedy. It. First and foremost, that's a comedy. Well, no, but but it's, but even it's off. Yeah, I, I guess. Well, no, but even it. even that, you know, again, it's a different it's a different take because that that you know, like they're both they're both kind of this nihilist take on things. You know, it's like the ridiculousness of human existence, um, and just like you try you try and find a meaning where you can because nothing means anything. And Philip K. Dick, you know that—that's kind of his writing too. Is that like you—you are—you are implicitly—you are implicitly constructed to not be able to correctly interpret the nature of reality. So it gets into the thing of okay, if I'm a fundamentally a flawed intelligence, how do I make the best of how do I make the best of this situation? And just you know, even if I come to a conclusion, it doesn't mean that just because just because it works doesn't necessarily mean it's right, you know, and, and it's... So back to Sophia, how the fuck is she a citizen? That's, uh, that's a really good question. Because the they want it for propaganda purposes. It was just like for they, propaganda. They did, that's they, how I basic, feel. Basically, what about the credit card? Well, no, basically it, it's, it's, it's what... It works because... Um, the king said. The king said it is. It's, it's, they're it's just the doing it for of, set. They're just doing it for attention. For well, the, the laws, yeah. I mean, yeah. Like, well, because that and um, uh, they just want to be the first nation to do it, right? Well, that they don't even treat their actual like live women like citizens. How the <laughs> fuck does a robot woman get the pass? Well, they don't treat their work. Yeah, no, no. It, it, well, she doesn't complain when they cover her up. I guess that's well, because true. It, I take it all back. It, oh, you. It's a toss-up between which one goes full, like, completely fucked up cyberpunk dystopian thing. Because it's either going to be, you know, if we, if we don't have a collapse of the Middle East and a nuclear nuclear conflagration because the, uh, the, 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 the Saudi royal family pl- went, went full hog for nukes. Um, yeah, it'll be, it'll be uh, the Emirates or... Um, Is Saudi Arabia predominantly Muslim? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. No, yeah. no, no. Actually, it's, it, well, it ha- technically. Uh, I mean, some where was, would argue where was that Sa- it's predominantly. Sa- Sa- Saudi where was has Aladdin a- supposed to be from? What's that? Where was Aladdin supposed to be from? That's actually, per- that's, uh, well, I mean, that's Persia. It's the Persian Empire, right? I'm, I'm not exactly sure. Sh- Agrabah. I don't know exactly I mean, where Aladdin takes place. I think it's just generic fucking. I mean, like <laughs> racist white people. I mean, like, no, no, I mean, it's, it's that for some reason was exceptionally well, successful it's, it's, in the nineties. It's, it's derived from the Arabian Nights tale, but yeah, I mean, like you know, the the, the actually, I mean, like technically, I mean, you how just fucked look up, up would it be if like Disney came out with a new one? 
and he fell in love with Sophia instead. He's like, I can see her face. Well, you realize, like, it, it, it's it's. <laughs> I wish I could take a picture of Wade's face right now. <laughs> I guess like the further you go, okay, with it, it is located near the Jordan River, so it is not it is not in Saudi Arabia. Oh, okay. Wait, oh, Agrabah well, uh, was is, was river, actually on the River Jordan. Ba, 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 ba. So I'd have to I'd have to go look at a map specifically to kind of figure out. Fair enough. It's no, but in, no, but but the Jordan River is not in right. Saudi Arabia proper. Well, no, but you know, and again, it's weird because that like fucking matters. <laughs> well, you no, know, because it's it's just it's just funny how like things get interconnected and, um, you know, like we do it. What is it? Remember the what's the Hitler game? Like six degrees of separation or you know, like I think how it's they're kind of bacon. No, but no, but there's one bacon, like you, you, but yeah, you can, we, I I don't think we invented it, but so. Gunner, I shouldn't even be saying this because he's still employed there, but uh, Gunner, Gunner and I used to have a, a game we played in the IT department, and it was, can you, if you're on Wikipedia, can you click to Hitler in five clicks? Like, no matter what Wikipedia article uh, you're on. That's actually really interesting. I wish I'd known about this game. And we, it was so easy in five clicks that we had to reduce really? it to three. Yeah. You could you could actually parlay that into a betting game. I like name that tune. I can I can click to Hitler in three clicks. Yeah. Well, the problem the problem was is that with Wikipedia, it does a really good job of citing the country of what the article's about. So let's say the article's about um, I don't know Smithsonian museums, right? And you just happen to land on Smithsonian museums. The Smithsonian museums will have reference to like Washington D.C. and it will also have reference to the United States. If you click the United States, United States mentions the World War II, and then you can click on Hitler. So you can click country, World War II, Hitler, because every country's status in World War II is mentioned on Wikipedia, whether they had no involvement, whether they were axes or allies or whatever. So. It's once you figure that out, you almost have to say, okay, we're going to play, you know, five degrees to Hitler, except this time you can't click on the country, right? And you have to, you have to actually make it more challenging because once you realize the trick, you can get there fast. Um, but yeah, so we used to play that in the office place. And, but the, the, the crazy part is that is even if you don't use the, um, the countries, you can find some other strange, strange things. Like if you're on a food page, find the like like the country of origin, right? Because if you can find a food that predominantly has German roots, then you can find the German page, and then your the German page is going to have Hitler on it. But okay, and I guess going going back to the, your full dystopian fucked up cyber hell. So it, it it's gonna be it's gonna be the Emirates, or maybe Qatar. Qatar is actually pretty. Qatar is actually not anywhere near as fucked up as some of the some of the other ones, and that that's part part of the reason why they're trying to bury them in backroom politics in the Middle East because you know, like they 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 can go their own way, and they have Al Jazeera, and Al Jazeera is a very effective tool to kind of just like pour a lot of light, you know sunlight on the sketchy stuff that they do. Um, it'll be or, or China. Or South Korea. Are we talking about like doomsdays here? Are we? Talking no, I'm talking. About the I'm talking AI about you, you know. Robot. So I'm I'm saying your AI robot because really you, you made you made a very you made a I think you made a very important point in jest, and I don't know if you realize it, but that's effectively <laughs> that is effectively the point of this technology and why they're pushing it is because right now 
at least in the at least in the 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 the, the wealthy Arab world, most of their work is done by effectively what m- amounts to undesirables or slave. You know, yeah, for all intents and purposes, absolutely. slaves. And there are certain things that you just can't do to slaves that have full, you know, again, like it's just frowned upon eventually. And the other thing is, is that, yeah, people complain. And it's like, if you can, if you can get this tech, like they're already, you know, like, again, not, not anywhere near in the same comparison. Like they, they stopped having kid jockeys in their camel races. Like they actually have robots that are performing the jockey duties and like there's this, camel this, races yes this, it's, like, it's actually you know, and it's like this is not some like oh shitty joke or whatever camel racing is actually a pretty uh pretty popular sport uh, in a lot of the middle east but saudi arabia specifically but yes and yeah. speci- but but and you know like how i mean like horse racing in the united states is very effed up because there's a lot of like you, you know it selects that you want a jockey as light as possible there's a lot of very terrible health stuff that goes on for jockeys to cut weight you know it's like it's, it's like high school wrestling times yeah. 10 or like mma mma suffers the Ooh. same problem yes well the you know you, problem. You, but um you know like but the the thing was is that traditionally um for uh the like Doing, doing, you know, a, a a jockey in a camel race would be something like an eleven-year-old boy. Yeah, and there was a lot of fatalities. There was a lot of just serious injury. And what they did is they eventually spent the money and they built robots. Interesting to replace the kids mm-hmm. in the national. You know, like you know, like you'll see it, you'll see it in the outliers and stuff like that. And they kind of cracked down, but yeah, because it's a. You, you, Do they still have kids controlling the robots? That would be funny. That I don't. That well, I don't no, know. but but you know, but but yeah, because of, eventually the goal is is that I would not be surprised if that is exactly it's like you know here is here here is effectively something that looks you know as gross as that sounds here is effectively something that looks like a woman that we don't have to treat in any way, shape, or form. The code, you know, like because the, you know, like again, it, it's it's effectively if it is not a person, if it is not under the auspices of the, co- the, the 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 Islamic rulings, then yeah, you know, what if it's walking around in a freaking, you know, like you know, you talk about that, you talk about that, it, it's. I would not be surprised if that's actually not one of the end goals. Would it be crazy if, that's dark. if we injected the robots with Islamophobia? Well, that's yes. That that that's a classic. That's like the, the it's like underground. The cha- well, what is it? Revolution. If it's, it's the what, new if it, what if what if it's the chatbot like that one that Microsoft made that became incredibly racist within? Yeah, that's crazy. T- like like five hours. Yeah, that's really crazy. Like Google's that started. The two AI units that started communicating with yeah, they each started other. Talking they pulled the before. fucking plug on because they couldn't tell what they were saying. But the one Gunner's talking about, like they opened up this Microsoft chatbot to the world, and after after like a day, it became, it became a re- well, it became a reflection of the conversations that it, it heard did. and, and it turned it, turned, racist. it turned horribly racist Jesus because Christ. it's it's a reflection. Of Which kind of makes sense. I mean, because if you're going to talk to a robot, you're going to assume it's not going to judge what you say, so you're just going to start insulting it, and. A certain amount of that those insults are going to be repeat insults and um it seems like you know enough racist insults go at it and it just has to start thinking that culture is racist well it's kind of like you like if you're going to insult a thing you're going to 
put out the most reviled kind of insults because mm-hmm. why hold back it's a it's just a, it's a it's essentially a robot no feelings or anything like that so you're going to expose it to like the, the really shittiest aspects of 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 humanity and of course all that's all it's going to learn so of course it'd become a corrupt piece of shit within an hour why not <laughs> <laughs> what's impressive is that it, it it took like actually i don't know about it it took us thousands of years well, to become pieces of shit we were you know that 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 came right after the bootloader finished it finished posting but um no it but this goes back is that it's it's how much of this is genuine machine behavior and how much of it is just responses coming back to you know because it's 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 like the google yeah it's like youtube and facebook like curating what comes up in your feed and stuff like that right it's all like you know, learned it, behaviors essentially it's, well, you know it's a it's it's an algorithm biasing to say hey you know you've seen this we we, we have this waiting column we're going to suggest this thing so that you have a fair and balanced perspective and it's like uh, I, I didn't watch the other one with the understanding that this was a realistic take on things. I don't need to have a counterpoint explained, you know, I was more just curious what the, fu- what the fuck wacko shit was going to come out. <laughs> I, I want to switch topics to music. You want to switch topics to music? Is that okay? It doesn't matter now because we're fucking doing it. <laughs> sweet chin, sweet chin, sweet chin music. <laughs> So I know we don't want to we don't want to timestamp and like date the stuff, but it's okay to reference some dates. Christmas is on the way. It's like two weeks from now, a week and a half, actually less. Yeah, like eight or ten days or whatever. I don't know. And I started thinking at work because one of the people that I work with, they like country music and they like Christmas music. <laughs> and so essentially, what you've asked me is, do I want to get punched in the face or kicked in the balls? <laughs> but. Punched in the face is not so bad because I've been punched in the face quite a bit. So I went with Christmas music because a vast majority of country music, I feel like I'm getting kicked in the balls. Um, I mean, but it, what I started, so I started thinking about Christmas music, and I have favorites, some songs that I really, I really do enjoy, and then most of it I, I really can't stand um, because it's just kind of annoying. You just you hear it over and over and over and over again, like everywhere you go, it's just Christmas music. But the weird thing to me about Christmas music is even people that absolutely go bonkers, bonkers for Christmas, love Christmas, love all of the music or whatever, if you played that shit in June, mm-hmm. you would crush their soul. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of like a weird phenomenon that I don't really understand. And beyond the Christmas thing, like, are there other holidays or like, like I don't know if I would feel... I, if I heard, like, I, I like two of my favorites are Wonderful Christmas Time by um, Paul McCartney and um, Last Christmas by uh, George Michael. Mm-hmm. And um, is it Michaels mm-hmm. or Michael? George Michaels. Michaels. Sorry. I forgot the S. So I was in, I was in my family's minivan um, heading to a, uh, uh, a Christmas party of all things. My employer um, very, very generously did a breakfast with Santa, right? Which it's interesting because we didn't eat with Santa, right? You eat breakfast and then Santa gives you a gift 
And that's really what it is. But it's a cool, you know, hey, breakfast with Santa. But we didn't actually, like, watch a guy with a fake beard shovel eggs into his mouth. So it's not, <laughs> it, it wasn't exactly the way that you might envision it when you hear breakfast with Santa. Um, so anyway, we're on our way there. And it's about, it's about a 30-minute commute. And my wife turns to the people in the car, two of which speak English. One of them is a toddler, and he doesn't really talk. And she announces to the back of the car, she says, do you guys want to hear Christmas music? And I'm in the front seat and I'm like, do I have a fucking vote? Because I don't want to hear it. I think that like a couple songs around the Christmas season is cool. Um, But I don't know if I I don't want it in the car. I don't want it everywhere. Time I go somewhere, even worse. I don't want it in the car. Like, this is the one time I have when the kids are far enough behind us that they're not interrupting every word that we say. Maybe I want to talk to an adult, you know, the, really the only one I get to talk to is my wife. Maybe I just want to talk for the next 30 minutes and not be interrupted with fucking Mariah Carey's all I want for Christmas is you. Um, Clearly not a fan. <laughs> I don't, I don't have a problem with, with Mariah Carey's Christmas album, but, um, I do have a problem when that's more important than this 30 minutes of kid free time. Because once we get to Chris, uh, breakfast with Santa. Not to be confused with Fritos with Crack Santa. Yes. A chimichanga. Dude, you know his beard is orange by the time Oh, you're fuck done. yeah. It was orange before. Did you say Fritos or Cheetos? Fritos with Crack Santa. Oh, if they're Fritos, then, then, then it's not going to be orange because of the Fritos. It'll be orange because of something else. But if it's Cheetos with Crack Santa, Ooh. you know that he's getting those all over his beard. It has to be the hard, crunchy ones. Yes, like the old ones. Like the old, like it's like a sad bag. <laughs> like it's been sitting in his cupboard, but he just hasn't eaten and, in and a few days. And it's the off bread. It doesn't even taste yeah, it's like not, a, it's just as orange, but it does not. It tastes like it tastes exactly like vomit. It looks like irradiated chunks of vomit, <laughs> but it's dry and it's real crunchy. And he has, he's convincing you how they're actually really good still. And he's oh, these are really still really good. I got I got these at I got these at Big Lots, and they were uh, they were on. I got four bags for a dollar. They're only they're only expired three weeks, and you know why is Craig Santa have the complete complete same dialogue as your father? I hope my father doesn't hear this podcast because every time I mimic somebody, it's my father's voice. It's it the is. only voice I can do is my father's voice. Hey, Wade, do you want to come over and mow the lawn this weekend? No, who would want to come over and mow your lawn? Hey, Wade, uh, we're. We're wiping down the cars and cleaning up cat shit in the barn. Which one do you want to do? <laughs> Albert, there's there's cat shit on your cars. I think I don't think these two tasks are mutually exclusive of each other. <laughs> um, but yeah, um, so you know, breakfast with Santa is just a fucking it is a fucking circus, right? And it's not it's not a fault of the employer. It's a fault of any event which invites kids to just eat sugar in open presence and they can't be contained most people that bring children to the santa events a lot of them have children that actually don't even know who santa is yet they're like my two-year-old and they're just scared by a guy in a beard but the the the, the romance of it 
um, we need to expose them to Santa. So we just force them to sit on his lap or whatever. And it's strange because Isn't we're that adults. a weird thing too? It's, a, it's so fucked up. I, I think know, we it has nothing to do with it. music. But yeah. it's like we as a society, it does have something to do with music. Because if you play Christmas music in June, July, anytime aside from Christmas, I think it actually like kind of irritates people. I know it would irritate the crap out of me. People would not be happy to hear it. If, you, if I told a child, go sit on that fat old man's lap mm-hmm. and tell him what you want, mm-hmm. any other time of the year, people would be freaking out. You know he'd get a gyrocopter ride. <laughs> Jesus. Cracks. I don't think anyone That's, ever I says sit on... I went in his sleigh. No, no, no. That was not a sleigh. That was a homemade helicopter by Crack Santa. <laughs> when Gunner comes back, I'm gonna. <laughs> he stepped out for a second, but I'm gonna ask him like, what holidays does like Crack Santa get? Like kids sitting <laughs> on his lap. <laughs> um, have you heard of um? Have you heard of Half Christmas? Uh, I I've I don't know anybody that's like participated in it, but like I I. So the concept yeah. works because like um. Like let's say let's say you you have a campgrounds that you go to. A lot of people have a camp or a campgrounds or something like that up here um, in upstate New York. I'm sure it's popular around the United States. But what happens is those campgrounds can't be open in the winter. The the water lines freeze and nobody would want to be there. They don't plow the the roads that you would use to access the campgrounds. So you would only camp there in the summer. Now now first of all, why somebody from upstate New York would camp in upstate New York? I don't get. Right, you're. It's the middle of the summer. Your backyard is just as nice as your campgrounds. I don't right. get that. I mean, you just want to be in the woods and 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 uh, take a crap in a in a hole in the ground. I guess whatever. You live your life, have fun. <laughs> so um, um, so yeah. As, as I totally interrupt. Don't I, interrupt. I heard gerocopters. I heard gerocopters. And don't interrupt, you fucker. Don't interrupt. We're gonna you get fucker. back to it. So <laughs> I promise. So um, but what happens with those campgrounds is since they aren't open in the winter. They, they, they have no way to celebrate Christmas there. So what they'll do is they'll get a Santa there on like June 25th instead of December 25th. Or maybe it's July. I might have my months off. But it's exactly half of the year. And they do this, they do this half Christmas. And it's so that they can, they can do a gift exchange and celebrate Christmas um, at the campgrounds. Now, the one reason that I like it is because you're not wearing like fucking boots up to your shins. You're not wearing like these these crazy jackets, which actually with global warming, we're kind of experiencing a summer right now in upstate New York. I think it's 40 or 50 outside right now. Yeah, it's fucking it is beautiful. Warm. Thank you, global warming. The, <laughs> <and> the, <laughs> the Republicans were right. It doesn't exist. Um, but uh, but anyway, uh, that whole the whole half Christmas thing, like I guess that would be a time of the year where it might be okay to play a few Christmas songs in the middle of the summer. God, I think of. Let me interrupt this actually thought because the question does have to go back to Gunner. <laughs> Gunner, Santa is to Christmas as crack Santa is to what holiday? Do you do do they have a holiday? I know you're aspiring to be one. <laughs> uh, actually, you're gonna make me look. At, you're gonna make me look it He's up. He's gonna look up a bunch but of national holidays. <laughs> crack Santa, crack Santa, or Santa is to Christmas is crack Santa is to Walpurgia. What the fuck's What's Walpurgia? Walpurgia? Walpurgia is the feast and celebration of uh, on the eve of, of, of uh, the, the day of Saint Walpurgia. 
Uh, it's a ger- it's a German thing, but it, it, again, it, it, blah, 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 you know, just weird, weird, weird stuff. But uh, cause it's like I pull stuff up because. Yeah. You find that out, Gunnar. So, get... so, no, uh, so basically, basic, basically. <laughs> no, no, don't leave. Don't no, leave. Don't, Gunner, don't. Do you like do you like name brand Cheetos? Uh, so, uh, are the off brand just no, as good as well, the name well, brand? Well, 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 per, well is do the they... saint. The saint uh, against uh, pest, rabies, and whooping cough, <laughs> <laughs> and also the bane of witches. <laughs> <laughs> it's perfect, and that is why it's it is <laughs> Dude, we got what day is Walpurgia? Uh, Walpurgia. Can we start celebrating it? Date is the thirtieth of April to the first of May. <laughs> of course it is. Of course, it's nowhere near Christmas. In fact, it's it's approaching the exact opposite part of the hear, year of you Christmas. Just, you just you just hear the 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 beating of air, and it's like oh. Oh shit, Craig Santa! Do we, do we leave out the Walpurgia? Do we leave out the Walpurgia Doritos? No, fucking hide! Oh man, off-brand Doritos are sometimes they're they're edible, um, but they don't have enough of the cheese flavor. So on them. yes, the celebrations yeah. of a Walpurgia consist of bonfires and ritual dancing. Yeah, I'm not shocked by any of that. <laughs> did, I, did I tell you? I think we we covered it in the in the island episode. But I, did I tell you that the Doritos in Mexico taste completely so, different yes, than is, the Doritos? This is, this is in the, their equivalent of the reindeer. Holy shit! There's oh. a lot of naked people in the sky right now. I like Walpurgia right now. What the heck's? Why are these naked people all sitting? I think they're witches. Or yeah, like actually, they're... yeah, one of them has a really really ugly face. But I mean, like not like naturally ugly. Like she is designed to look like a witch. Look at that witch tit. Whoa! Yeah. yeah. Okay, I don't even know what you just showed us. I think you just looked up naked no, people. No, it's, it's, it's. I don't think that has anything to do with Walpurgia. Oh wow, man, I'm, I'm, that's that's that actually that is technically the that is that is a painting called Walpurgis Night. So, halfway to Christmas sounds like technically just yeah. short of of a nightmare for me. Like mm-hmm. I, Christmas is fine. It's it's great once a year. <clears throat> I. I don't get. Is it is it just to celebrate at that one place, or is it because yeah, you're that, so no, fucking weak place. sauce that you can't make it a year? No, it's that Christmas. one place. So okay, what you do okay. is you do um, what it usually turns into. And I just learned this word because I'm, f- I'm fucking oblivious to the world and I don't read books. I just finally learned the what what white elephant was. White elephant. Uh, is that some sort of like a gift exchange yes. type of thing? That's, that's, Does that mean that, Christmas? That's the you steal presents from each other. Oh yeah, mean Christmas. No that's, no no, not mean Christmas. Oh, it's not like the Chinese auction where you steal them. Oh, what white is, Christmas okay, what is it or a white elephant is is a gift that's in good enough shape to give away, but nobody has to actually spend money. So oh, okay, you can only exchange stuff that you already have. Okay. Um, huh. So what I had never known, and we had, we used to have a restaurant in yeah the White Elephant the White yeah, Elephant yeah. here right in our, our our tiny village of Canastota, New York, um, and man, what a cool name now that I know what it means. But nobody does that anymore. Nobody does a White Elephant Christmas, and I think it's a terrific idea, right? Because it's 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 just the thought, you know. I look around my stuff and I'd be like, oh hey, you know, this is something that reminds me of Wade. You might throw it into the garbage, but it, you don't have to fucking go spend thousands of dollars. So what they did was it was a white elephant gift exchange at the, at least at, at the campgrounds that, that my family goes to. Um, and I say my family loosely, I do not go. <laughs> I do not go to that campgrounds unless I absolutely have to. 
Um, usually I go on a day where I can th- throw a Frisbee or something because I don't, yeah, I don't understand why the the grass there is so much better to play in than the grass in my fucking backyard. I don't get it. I don't know why you have to shit in a fucking hole in the ground. I don't understand the purpose of that. Like the showers are heated by like, which it's kind of cool, but the showers are heated by like, like water pipes running on the roofs of the buildings. So it's really not warm at all. Oh, right. It's just piss water. It's just warm for a couple of seconds while you turn it on. And then the cold water makes its way in there and they're all leaking. So you just see like water leaking down the sides of the buildings and um, no hot water. Uh, uh, the electricity is so low that you can't, you can barely microwave something. Oh, geez. <laughs> the coffee, like, like a regular, like, like Mr. Coffee takes like four times as long to brew a pot of coffee because the heating element doesn't get hot enough. It's, it's not an experience that I love. I know there's people that camp and they're like, Oh, camping is great. You know, which of course it's great for them because they've spent $1,200 on camping gear, right? They got the Coleman freaking uh, uh, percolator. They're, they're, they're making their coffee with a tank of propane that they bought at the store with a coffee maker that they bought at the store. And it's just so that they don't need electricity. But yeah, anyway. They're just um, substituting their electricity. Yeah, they're substituting their fuel source. Right. Um, but yeah, so there they do the white elephant. Uh, gift exchange and that's so cool because you know my wife will go through all the kids toys and she'll find like a bunch of first of all mcdonald's toys right we can all agree that mcdonald's toys are polluting the planet and (laughs) and everybody had everybody with children has about a thousand of them yeah and i mean like like my kids have four of the same pokemon character like they don't even need they they don't even play with one Yet they have four. So you can package these things up. They're still in great shape because who the hell is going to play with four freaking McDonald's Pokemon? They're in great shape. You package them up. And then to some other kid, it's like, oh, my gosh, I don't have this Pokemon character. And it's a great gift. So the White Elephant Gift Exchange was really only for the campground members to exchange gifts with each other. And you don't all buy gifts for everyone. It's just for the children. And the Santa comes there um, and stuff like that, um, which was played by my wife's father. Uh, Spoiler alert. Um, it wasn't actually Santa Claus. Couldn't get Santa. Um, and he is—he actually is not a crack Santa. <laughs> he is not a crack Santa. It would be cool if you could repurpose a crack Santa as a real Santa. I think that's like kind of like the. I think I think the eventual end goal is like robot Santa from uh, Futurama, right? Yeah. Where we have an immortal, we have an immortal, undying crack Santa who yeah. <laughs> who's like evil though. He's like the Krampus though. Yes. Yeah, I don't know. My dream. That being said. We're pretty much running at we're at time there. We're just just shy of two hours, and uh, I don't think we talked about music that much. We really didn't, so we're gonna probably do it next episode. Watch, watch the skies. I eat tomorrow. <laughs> watch the skies for crack Santas. Be very careful traveling these days. And and these the listeners don't know this, but we're recording tomorrow. Um, oh yeah, we wanted to tell them that. Yes. Oh yeah, we'll go over the holiday schedule. Um, so. We will have this episode that's going to come out on Wednesday morning. Um, we will have another episode that comes out on the following Wednesday. Um, and then we're going to be off for a week, essentially. I think that we'll have like a week, maybe a week and a half gap <clears throat> where we won't have anything recorded just due to the holidays and things like that. People are kind of busy during this time of year. But, um, yeah, so if you don't hear from us for like, you know, after after next Wednesday, so not, not this coming yeah, Wednesday but the following Wednesday yeah we're pretty much taking two weeks off but yeah. we're going to pre-record 
Um, we'll be pre-recording one of the weeks, so we, it's it'll be staggered a little bit. Um, maybe we'll release it a little bit later next week, just to kind of push it out as as long as we can, make it last as long as we can. So, and let's push let's push these fucking listeners to share. Yeah, share honestly, and subscribe. Yeah, share, subscribe, um, push us out if you're enjoying it. Dude, if you're not enjoying it, tell me what you don't like. Like any type of uh, criticism or encouragement is is accepted, so long as it's constructive. Um, or even if you just want to say I'm a huge douchebag, or, that's okay or, too. Or, You're and, not wrong. Or we will and, send Craig Santa after you. And I got a couple of questions for our listeners. Number one, do you want merch? If we start throwing some Friendship Snake T-shirts out there, would you be interested? Um, do you want merch? Even bumper stickers. Yeah. We could probably we could probably order and give away some bumper stickers if people like that type of stuff. I don't know if people use bumper stickers anymore. I don't like to put them on my car personally, but I st- definitely still see like some Obama stickers out there. <laughs> <laughs> I I see some of these stickers out on the bumpers that have been there for a long time. I know people do still put them on. Um, do you want Do you want some merch? If so, let us know. Uh, the Anchor app allows you guys to reply to our episodes. We can't easily play the reply into the episode, but we will definitely answer it. I know that um, uh, uh, a listener of ours, um, and he'll probably be a guest some week, but a listener of ours, uh, Ken Lindsay, a good friend of ours, um, Ken is constantly saying that he gets stressed out sometimes listening to the podcast because he wants to join in on the discussion. Well, Ken, fucking do it. The only downside with the Anchor app is you can only respond in 60-second chunks. <laughs> so um, when Josh R. had re- replied to us, he actually did it in four separate yeah, it was replies. Yeah, four-segment response. Because the app kept cutting him off. Um, but yeah, hey, you know what? Record yourself, send us some replies, and uh, and we'll mention you guys uh, next episode. Um, but share it. Um, share it on, on social media, uh, Instagram, um, <clears throat> uh, however you can. Um, subscribe. Ask other people to subscribe. Um, we want to know how many people uh, listen to it, how many people enjoy it. Absolutely. So with that being said, we will see you all next time. Snake the ride.